a new week it's beginning right now on quite frankly it's the pre-show that you've all been waiting for i know i have it's 6 56 p.m on the east coast we are here in new york on the east coast of the united states and um and tonight we're going to welcome back a friend of ours we haven't seen in a while i think he hasn't been on since maybe earlier on in 2022 but that is mr donald jeffries so donald jeffries is on with us tonight he's an author he's a researcher he's a radio host he's a talk show host and he's a friend and uh and that is going to be a a really wonderful time for us all tonight because he's got a new book out and the book is called masking the truth how COVID-19 destroyed civil liberties and shut down the world. What a what a string of funny coincidences that was, huh? So we're going to get a glimpse into the way that Don frames up the history that we're still living through and how the plan is still evolving. And I'll uh, I'll get to that in just a minute. If we have any time left over, I I with Don, I mean, I would like to ask him some bonus questions about the Kennedys, about John Lennon. There's a lot of assassination news that has been happening lately. And of course, Don Jeffries is one of those guys that you can talk to about all of that stuff. He's the uh, the author of many amazing books, Unsolved Mysteries and Histories books. So um, you can always just jump in any direction with tonight's guest. Uh, tomorrow night, I don't know what we're doing just yet, but I have a bunch of emails I can get through. We can do a lot of grab bag. We can start taking some calls on on Sound of Freedom if anybody's been out there has seen it. I know aside from all the glowing reviews and the the war with the uh, the pedo prote- protectors in the media there's a lot of a lot of people doing some digs. Who's trustworthy? Can anybody be trusted? So everybody's digging themselves into pretzels again, and uh, I just want to see what's on everybody's mind. So tomorrow night, maybe that'll be a good idea to do in the time that we have allotted to us. But I think we, who knows, we might have full episodes this entire ye- this entire week. I don't know if there's going to be band practice. Uh, we'll see. And then Anthony goes to Seattle to film a. He's a part of some sort of a reality thing that's that's being put together by Jared Dines on his YouTube channel 
So that'll be interesting, but uh, we also might regain some time on air over here. I'll, I'll let you know. But on Wednesday, we've got Grace is coming back, really graceful. That'll be a really great night. It's the second time she's been on the show. First time when she was talking about her book, The Deep State Encyclopedia. Michael Collins will be on Thursday evening this week. Michael Collins is the host and, um, and producer over there at Wandering Wolf Productions on YouTube. And he was the one who has uh, pretty much started bringing a lot of attention to this potentially megalithic structure that was right there in the woods in Montana. I saw over the weekend that Timothy Alberino, who is also a resident of Montana, put out a uh, put out a response video and went to the megalithic, went to the wall, and analyzed it to give his opinion on whether or not he believes that it is uh, it is megalithic. It's been created by human hands. Uh, maybe we'll put that on the after hours programming on Thursday night on Quite Frankly TV. Uh, or you can check that out tonight, and you'll know exactly what he said. But I'll I'll formulate some questions based on all that stuff, and maybe Jimmy Corsetti will call in from um, Bright Insight, who really brought Michael Collins to my attention. So that would be a a really great night, and it it would make for a great week because on July fourteenth, this Friday, I have the night off. So um, this Friday night, I'm taking off, and and who knows, maybe I'll. I'll jump on air on Saturday night or something like that. I, I just don't know. But Friday night, we're just going to take it easy. And um, and there you have it. Next week is going to kick off with Jay Gulinello in studio and so much more. Oh, here's one thing. On July 19th, I made a little switcheroo with one of our guests. I had to reschedule someone who's there on the 19th. We're still looking for a good, um, a good date to replace it. But we have a fantastic guest coming on all right he writes for the twitter account alaric the barbarian on twitter wonderful history account wonderful history account we're going into history and on on uh july 19th next week we're going to be talking about the dark ages we're going to get red pilled on the dark ages what we're taught about the dark ages what they actually were and if we have any time within that hour to mix in anything else to be red pilled on the age of exploration so that do not miss that one it is a really awesome account on twitter and i'm i'm happy to have had him not only agree to come on but to agree enthusiastically that's always that always makes a difference so I hope you're excited because I am. And there's so much more coming your way for the rest of the summer on quitefrankly.tv on Quite Frankly. So just keep sending your friends and your family my way, and I'm I'm sure they'll be watching for years to come. All right, so let's go into our grab bag. Oh, first, thank you, Blue Monster Prep. BlueMonsterPrep.com. Get all your prepping needs, everything. They are of the show. They are Franklies themselves. They are in the audience. They always have been. Go to BlueMonsterPrep.com. Look into food, water filtration. Get those two-way radios. Get it done. And uh, use promo code Frankly. All right. Here we go. First one up. Here is a little something for those of us in the 17 states that are going to be able to get a glimpse of the northern lights. There's a solar storm on Thursday for those of you who believe in space. 
Solar storm on Thursday expected to make northern lights visible in 17 states. Did I just wait, wait, did I just inadvertently check off one of the bingo slots? I don't know. I don't know if you know about this, but Mark Swan and some of the people on the Gilded chat room, they started doing they made a quite frankly nightly bingo sheet. I think it's exclusive to Gilded. Uh, I, I knew, uh, you know, so if you wanted to get in on that someday, you have to get over there and, and ask, ask somebody if you can get in on it. But there's all these bingo sheets going around there, and I think Flat Earth comments might be part of it. So I don't know if somebody... Did I, did I, just, did I just give somebody a square? Oh, boy. Anyway, let's just keep going. Solar storm on Thursday. Expected to make northern lights visible in 17 states. A solar storm forecast on thir- for Thursday, this Thursday coming up, is expected to give sky gazers in 17 American states a chance to glimpse the northern lights. The colorful sky show that happens when solar winds hit the atmosphere. Northern lights, also known as Aurora Borealis, are most often seen in Alaska, Canada, Scandinavia, but an 11-year solar cycle that's expected to peak in 2024 is making the lights visible in places farther to the south. Three months ago, the lights displayed were visible in Arizona. Shit, I didn't see anything. I'm in New York. Marking the third severe geomagnetic storm since the current solar cycle began in 2019. The Geophysical Institute at the University of Alaska at Fairbanks had forecast auroral activity on Thursday in Alaska, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, New York, New Hampshire, Vermont, Indiana, Maine, and Maryland. So if it's getting down to Maryland, then it's got to be seen in southern parts of New York, right? Watch it be overcast that night. Uh, auroral activity also has been forecast for Canada, including Vancouver. Light displays are expected to be visible overhead in Milwaukee, Minneapolis, and Helena, Montana. And low on the horizon in Salem, Oregon, Boise, Idaho, Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming, Annapolis, Maryland, and Indianapolis, according to the Institute. So watch out for that. Said that, let's see here, uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Space Weather Prediction Center said people wanting to experience an aurora should get away from city lights and that the best viewing times are between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. local time. Northern lights occur when a magnetic storm farts all over the North Pole. Okay, so between 10 and 2 a.m. on Thursday morning. Wait, is it Thursday going into Friday or Wednesday going into Thursday? It's got to be Thursday going into Friday. Or else they wouldn't count at 10 p.m. It had to count, right? So Thursday going into Friday. So as soon as I get home from the studio, not too late after that, um, I will see if there's anything that I can I can gaze upon. All right, here's something that's totally natural, just like the Aurora. Just kidding. 40% of Brown University students say that they are LGBT. Suggesting social contagion, of course, confirming social contagion. Forty percent of any subset of it, that, like I said, it's extinction level. This is nurtured. This is nurtured. No species can survive more than a couple hundred years with forty percent plus of its population be. Now I understand. This is forty percent of a American college population. Most of the people who are sane have already checked out of college and gone into a trade or something else and where they don't have to learn about 
Billy or Tammy's genitals and how they change every morning like a mood ring. So um, uh, it's just once again, it's like a Petri dish environment here. You're taking a look at what the hell's going on here. You say, do you get it now? Do you get it? New survey data from Brown University student newspaper provides further evidence that the increase in LGBT identification is driven by social pressures. The latest data shows that between 2010 and 2023, identification as LGBTQ plus has almost tripled among the student body at Brown from 14% in 2010. What? Wow. Wow. Evolution does really speed up, doesn't it? They, they tell us that it took us, what, tens of thousands of years for us to lose our tail? Took 10 years for this to happen? Get the f- out of here. Get out of here. The Herald Spring 2023 poll that 38% of students do not identify as straight over five times the national rate. The Brown Daily Herald reported over the past decade, LGBTQ identification has in- increased across the nation with especially sharp growth at Brown. Well... What do you know? Well, here's another little something for you. This is from Zero Hedge headline. Turkey, Turkey suddenly agrees to advance Sweden's NATO bid. I guess Turkey didn't want to have another series of devastating earthquakes befall them. Stoltenberg, Jans Stoltenberg, confirms the massive news. There will be a 32nd member state added to NATO. So you know they really want to push for that nice Masonic 33rd member. You know that, right? The 32nd member state added to NATO as we now await Russia's sure to be deeply unhappy and frustrated response because, yeah, yeah, because the new Soviet Union continues to creep toward Russia's borders. After how many generations of promising it would never advance beyond, uh, I mean, well, well since violated lines in the sand prior Moscow declarations related to Sweden's potential move into NATO that had involved measures to strengthen Russia's defense positions along the Scandinavian border region specifically the Finnish border as well as in the region of the far northern remote Arctic border area with Sweden wow I can't believe that they twisted Turkey's arm I can't believe they twisted twisted Turkey's arm or wing. What's clear is that the unintended consequences resulting from the Ukraine conflict have continued to spiral and things are escalating by the day and the week. And now to make matters worse, some, though not all, NATO member states are pushing for Ukraine's entry into the military alliance. The U.S. has resisted, however, with Biden saying Monday that this would have to await until after the war. Given NATO Article 5 would trigger a massive conflict with Russia, will Biden's vow not to consider admitting... Uh, so so there's gonna be, they're going to have to find some other way. They say until after the war, can we get Ukraine in there? So obviously what they're thinking is there is going to be a Ukraine left to enter into the war, to enter into NATO. And part of that would be the assumption that Russia will have definitively lost the war which is impossible for them to lose so what do they have up their sleeve because obviously surrender is not going to be the issue but they can't win so what the fuck does that mean can somebody tell me ah it's just just 
So there you go. Another toothpick. Another toothpick. Uh, here is Dana White. Dana White. UFC. I love this one. Um, he was answering a question from a ninny uh, member of the media who wanted to bring up some kind of a, I don't know, a racial element or undertone to one of the fights on this uh, this past weekend's event, which was pretty pretty interesting to watch, especially since it was... I didn't watch any of the fights, but I was watching all the stuff come out of the, uh, the arena that night. Of course, Donald Trump's there. Uh, Mel Gibson, Mark Wahlberg... There's a whole a big night. Mel Gibson. Oh, boy. We're going to talk about all that. Well, I'll save that stuff for tomorrow when we're talking about Sound of Freedom. We'll just take calls. Maybe we'll just be an open call to all call night tomorrow. That'll be easy for me to write that one. But here's Dana White uh, responding to a ninny in the, in the audience. Take a listen to this. You know, I know you say, hey, this is the fight business. People say nasty things, right? But the tension between those two and kind of the racial undertones and all those things, how do you... What were the racial undertones? Drigga uh, says he's the real African fighter, and so... You know, Israel dropped some N-words yeah. in there tonight. So what was the racial? Who did? Who dropped the, the racial? Is Israel it? was saying over and over, yeah. He's, he's black. 50 N-bombs in okay. there. Okay, he's black. He... <laughs> Who gives a shit? I was going to say, so you don't oh. have any concern about the way the build-up, the tension between those two? I could care less. This is the fight business. Israel Adesanya can say whatever he wants to say. Who gives a shit? Why, are, are people bitching about that? Some people, of course yeah. they are. Oh, fucking A. All right, got it. Yeah. Too fucking bad. All right. Yeah. L- last thing for me, then. I just yeah, might... Last thing for me, then I'll go fuck myself. Uh, it's, 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 I wish everybody would deal with the media like this. It, it would be so, it would be amazing. It would literally be Lone Star and Dark Helmet in, uh, in, in Spaceballs, just holding his head, and he's just, and Helmet is just swinging with his, uh, his Schwartz. And he can't reach it. Just they're ninnies, they're ninnies, and I love that. That that was wonderful. Um, well, that's embarrassing, but I guess it's not as ba- as embarrassing as this. Let's just do this to end the grab bag right now. Uh, not as embarrassing as this loser trying to rob a a nail salon and uh, pretty much just getting ignored. Now, his first um, mistake was expecting Koreans to give a shit about anything. That's number one. But that is just... Uh, and, and, and you know what? Thank God. Thank God he was such a like uh, such a loser. Because, you know, other people might have started shooting. Obviously, he didn't even have a gun. He just wrapped his hand up in a, in a towel or something like that. But wow. Wow. You know, we are getting to that point, at least there, where it's just like, oh, is this this what's going on today? Whatever. 
And he just walked out. I thought that was hilarious. I'm, maybe some of you have seen it. I said, uh, this is, th- that is just so 2023. It's so us. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. In fact, I just put out all of the live links across the official socials. If you can take that and share with all your friends, it doesn't matter if it's live. It doesn't matter if it's tomorrow and it's just in rerun form. Whatever you do to share the show, it makes things better over here and for the future. So we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! No time. Okay. So welcome. Welcome one and all. Welcome one and all. It was a nice, warm, sunny day today. Another one that was threatening rain, but never really did anything. And, um, eh, I don't know. It hasn't felt like a Monday in a long time. Today, it felt like Monday. So... What's on your mind? I'll give you something to think about. Here's the first one up. This is from Disclosed.tv. And it got kicked around from one source or another. Peru. Peru declares a state of emergency amid a rise in cases of Guillain Barr. Guillain Barr or Guillain Barre. I hear people say both. Syndrome, a rare autoimmune disease that attacks the human nervous system. Now, for those of you wondering, they are about 90% jabbed as a country and yes gb is a um a very well publicized side effect has been uh, known from the beginning and and to think that we we're like two and a half years in the middle uh, into this this phase of what we're going to be talking about um by and large in a, in a, a bigger thirty thousand foot view with our guest on jeffries tonight um, this is just incredible. And here's another one. It's all connected. That's why we're going to be setting the table with this one. WorldNet Daily, UN to set launch or set to launch global shocks. Global shocks plan just prior to the U.S. presidential election. In case of large-scale event, future pandemics and other for unforeseen risks. The powerful United Nations is now seeking to increase its influence worldwide by seizing global emergency powers, and President Joe Biden supports their proposal. Do you know how badly? Do you, you, you probably, maybe some of you do. I have fantasized 
it is, it's been nearly sexual at times, of being able to just totally rip the United States out of the UN, kick them out of New York, turn that ridiculous-looking hard drive of a building into a something else, I don't know what. I just would love to be given the power to just take us out of the whole damn thing and just listen to the wailing from around the world. No! I, I can't, no! I, I, I would love it. The, the it, I'm, t- I'm telling you, it gives me pleasure that I should not take from such a thing. Oh, I love it. I would love it. The powerful United Nations, they are, they're nothing. It's nothing. Just another mask. Now seeking to increase its influence worldwide by seizing global emergency powers. And President Joe Biden supports their proposal, no doubt. Because what is he but a vassal? Uh, Interestingly, the UN proposal would begin September 24, a mere two months before a highly anticipated general election in the United States. The global organization will host a summit of the future where associated nations will adopt a so-called pact for the future. The pact or agreement would set in place multiple policies, reforms offered by the UN in past years as part of its Our Common Agenda platform. Common my ass. While there are several aggressive proposals included in the agenda, none are as disconcerting as the UN's plan for the emergency platform which would provide the international organization significant powers in times of global shocks, as they call it, such as another global pandemic. Most details of the UN's proposal were included in a March policy paper entitled Strengthening the International Response to Complex Global Shocks and Emergency Platform. The UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, outlined the emergency platform proposal saying, quote, I propose that the General Assembly provide the Secretary General and the United Nations system with a standing authority to convene and operationalize automatically an emergency platform in the event of future complex global shock of sufficient scale, severity, and reach. You know that this is going to encounter, this is going to encompass uh, so-called climate emergencies, pandemics, the Russians, The challenges we face can only be addressed through stronger international cooperation, Guterres declared. The emergency platform would provide the international body with power over all nations in times of distress. Such power, according to the UN, is needed to, quote, ensure that all participating actors make commitments that can contribute meaningfully to the response and that they are held to account for delivery on those commitments, end quote. According to the UN's policy proposal, the Secretary General could extend the emergency platform if need be, despite its duration being set for a finite period. Oh, oh yes, finite period. Just like the income tax over here in the US. Just, it, it's a stopgap measure. Just what, till we get back on our feet. Just a decision would be made without the consent of any, uh, such a decision would be made without the consent of any member nations. So precisely what type of global shock would trigger an emergency platform, you might ask? According to the UN, a large-scale event, future pandemics, a disruption to global digital connectivity. Oh, cyber attacks that they've been talking about for years now. And uh, Klaus Schwab has promised it will come and that it will make the COVID crisis seem like a minor disturbance in our day-to-day lives. 
You remember that? Remember those promises? The cyber polygon, the the UN, the NATO summit that they did with all the cybersecurity summits to remind everybody that Article 5 could be triggered if a cyber attack uh, was was initiated on a member state. They've got all the chips in place. All the chips in place. All you need is a little gravity now. And other unforeseen risks. They just want to be able to think on their feet. They're all causes for an emergency platform. Many have criticized the UN's proposal and have accused it of being an attempt at consolidating power. Although many oppose the proposal, there are some who support it, such as the Biden administration. Quote, the emergency power platform might uh, be the biggest attempted power grab in the history of the United Nations, but as shocking as it is, it pales in comparison to the Biden administration's treatment of this extremist proposal. They are all in on this. So instead, uh, that's what we have. A common agenda. How common is it? Gosh. Jeez. I don't know. Are you guys, do you guys like it? Does it make sense to you? Are you excited about this? I, um, I'm not. <laughs> Just to put it out there. But it should be a good way to, sp- uh, to bring things up with Don Jeffries. As you all know, he's a researcher and author, radio show host who has published many titles uh, we've had him on the show to discuss several of them. We've got Unborrowed Fame. That's the last one that we just did with Don Jeffries. It went into all of these mysterious deaths inside of Hollywood, Unborrowed Fame. All of these you can find on Amazon. Hidden History. That's the one right before Crimes and Cover-Ups of American Politics, 1776 to 1963, I believe. The Unreals, which I have not read. Survival of the Richest. I have not read that either. Bullyocracy. From Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road. Now, that one seems really interesting. And I have a lot of Beatles-related questions these days. So who knows what, what kind of time we have left over tonight. And, uh, and if not, I can always save it for another time. And now we have this. Where is it? Hold on a second. I got it up here somewhere. Do I? Here it is. Great. Now we have this one, Masking the Truth, How COVID-19 Destroyed Civil Liberties and Shut Down the World by Donald Jeffries, with a forward by Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who was on this show in, I think, February or June of 2022 or 2021. That was a, that was a great night, and she has written the forward for Donald Jeffries. He's got a lot of cool friends. He does a lot of cool things. Here's another thing I want to put out there for you. I want you to listen to this before we uh, prepare to take our call with, with Don. Uh, this is in England, in the UK. So Joe Biden, he was, he was wheeled out there recently, and he and King Charles were kind of shuffling around the, uh, I guess, uh, the palace, and they, they had a, a meeting. They had a meeting. It was... was with a lot of billionaires and they're talking about the climate because they're all very upset about how the climate is going to uh, kill us all, which of course they're trying to kill us all. So, I mean, you think that they would like what the climate is doing. Do you think they would want to hasten the climate killing us if, if that actually were the case, but it's not. So it's uh, it's safe for them to pretend. Uh, And they had John Kerry, the man with melted candle wax for a face addressing a room of what, is described by him as people worth trillions of dollars. Take a listen to this. 
there's a full understanding here, particularly with the evidence of the last few weeks piling on, that when scientists are telling us that they are terrified by what they're seeing, and when we hear those same scientists telling us that we are in uncharted territory, this group has come together to try to figure out, okay, how do we deploy the funds necessary to invest to create the new clean energy economy? And I'm glad to say uh, that you recognize many of the people here, your Majesty and your Mr. President, you've been with them before. They represent literally trillions of dollars, either invested or of assets under management or assets owned. And they are making decisions every single day about how to accelerate this transition. So they're making they're making decisions every day on how to accelerate this transition into clean energy systems, which really just goes back right into the Great Reset narrative. The Great Narrative. All of that. Uh, this is what it's been all about. This is what it's been all about. I mean, it was Charles in the middle of uh, it was the, it was Charles in the middle of the summer of 2020 who first started talking about this he first he charles was the first one that started talking about this whole thing about we needed a we needed to use the 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 covid crisis as a uh, as a means to accelerating a transition that was much needed in the world so to think that this was just a happy accident is 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 just absolutely ridiculous now, as I said before, we have our buddy uh, Don Jeffries is coming on here tonight. He's joining us right now, and I just want to welcome him aboard. Don, it's been a long time. I hope you've been well. Hey, Frank. How you doing? It's always a lot of fun to be with you. Well, it's always a lot of fun to have you, and I, I want to thank you for your efforts with this this latest book. And, uh, and I know it's near and dear to you as well, because the last time you and I spoke, um, or the last time I, I covered something that you worked on, it was the um, it was the, the your thoughts about what had happened to your brother, and um, and I had to imagine that was a major motivating factor for putting this book together, was it not? Yeah, absolutely. I I had uh, started the book at the beginning of this uh, narrative, and I was dubious from the beginning. I'm like, I'm like just about anyone. There were a few of us, but I I, I didn't believe it for a second, and. Uh, so uh, I started writing about it, and then I just kind of put it aside because I didn't know where it was going. It looked like, uh, who knows when this story is going to end? I said, is this going to stay here permanently? So I put it aside and worked on some other stuff. And uh, when my brother died in January of 2022, it was very unexpected and, uh, you know, really traumatized me, made me angry and everything. As you know, I did a lot of interviews about it, talked a lot about it, and uh that's when I said, you know, I've got to, I've got to finish this book for him, if nothing else. And I dedicated the book to him and all the other, who knows how many people. And I've interviewed several of them on the show that went through the exact same thing that happened to my brother, basically murdered by hospital protocol. And uh, we don't know how many had that happen to him, but uh, so this book is dedicated to them because uh, they ended up, you know, losing their lives over what I call the greatest psyop in the history of the world. 
It's a very, um, it's a very big claim, but one I think everybody, uh, a lot of people would agree with you on. The greatest psyop that has ever been perpetrated on the history of the world, definitely in our lifetime. And another thing you just said right there that really rings true with me was when you started writing it, you didn't know where it was going, and you put it down because, oh, you know, when's it going to end? Uh, it, this book reminded me that 2020 may have been three years ago, but it has never ended. I feel like the last three years has been one one year, and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so uh, that, that's just, it's just incredible. What, but what you've done is you've created a physical record of this greatest scam ever pulled in our lifetime. And I appreciate that because um, reading news on the internet is like blowing and popping bubbles in the backyard. Uh, it gets memory yeah. holds so quick, and at least there's something physical here now. Yeah, well, that was the, that's the idea. That's the idea in everything I do, you know, with my hidden history books, the same kind of thing. I uh, people always tell me, oh, man, I'd forgotten about that. Because, you know, we have short memories, all of us do. And especially when we have this stuff coming at us nonstop. I mean, a lot of it's misinformation, disinformation, lies, whatever, but uh, all misrepresented. But even, you know, the events that happen, a lot of times we forget things because there is so much there to process. There's never, you know, never like a down period. And in this, this had so many different elements to it. And it just... Uh, and that's why I try to document them all. And I think what differentiates my book, <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, other books like my friend Naomi Wolf's book was very good. Uh, Alex Berenson wrote a good book. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s uh, book about Fauci. Peter McCullough's book. They're all good books, but I'm the only one that, that I know of is starting at point A. All those books pretty much accept that there was a virus and it was a dangerous virus. And then they, they analyze uh, our response to it. And they're, you know, they're right on everything else. I mean, you know, they're they're talking about, oh, this is, you know, ridiculous. The warp speed vaccine is very dubious. It's killed a lot of people, injured a lot of people. The lockdown was obviously a disastrous, unconstitutional. So all that part they get right. But I I look at it from, again, point A. I think the only other one I know that did it from the beginning like that was John Rappaport. Did some great work on this. And, uh, but I, I was dubious of it from the beginning. And uh, I had John Rappaport on my show early on. And, uh, He's the one that first alerted me to the fact that they were including uh, what they call presumed cases in these numbers. And if you look at the CDC official weekly statistics, they point out they have that asterisk on all of them that you know, includes presumed cases. So it includes cases that were never proven to have whatever this thing is. And then, of course, the big thing uh, that I think you know I, I can't stress enough is that that is COVID-19, and John was the first one to tell me that too, has never been isolated. So lists don't exist. So whenever people like there was a lady in Canada that uh, fired a Freedom of, Information Act, Freedom of Information Act suit to see the documentation on the isolates they used to develop the uh, vaccine. And the FDA wrote her back and said uh, there were no isolates available. Available because huh. they can't prove it exists. So we had to simulate COVID-19 by using remnants of the coronavirus. The, so the exact statement is in my book. But that's pretty close to what it is. So that's what I'm looking at. You know, what is this thing? Where did it come from? And is COVID-19 is the 2019 version of the yearly coronavirus. That's why it's 19. What happened to COVID-20, COVID-21, COVID-22? Nobody even talks about that. This thing is just here forever. Uh, if virus, you know, there are lots of people like Andrew Kaufman that, you know, make, have made a lot of question, uh, you know, viruses in general. But assuming they exist and assuming the science has been accurate on it forever, they're supposed to burn out in the heat. This one doesn't burn. This one never burns out. And China just recently came up with a ridiculous pronouncement that uh, have a vicious strain of COVID-19 somehow in 2023 that's going to come out, you know, later this summer. 
65,000 new cases. Uh, no virus ever comes out in the summer. I mean, these things are supposed to burn out in heat. So they've rewritten science and turned it on its head, and people have accepted everything they've said. And so they're just, you know, running around babbling science, science, science. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. And the, I call it the greatest psyop in the history of the world because never has so much incredibly idiotic information been passed on to people over and over again, conflicting information. It's all about conflicting statements from people. And the reason I think it's the greatest psyop is because it's the only one that I know of that was a true worldwide thing. The entire world shut down few days uh, in early 2020, uh, there wasn't a single, pro I, so I know, I mean, nobody protested. They didn't need a single troop. They didn't need a single cop. They didn't need a single shot. They shut down the entire world. Think of the power in that, the, the fear, and, the, and nobody protested. You think some, you know, some rebellious Muslim country or something? No, nobody protested. The entire world was shut down. They came up with these ridiculous things like this, uh, social distancing, which the guy who invented it in England, I talk about him, well, he just said, yeah, we just basically picked it out of the air. There's no science behind it. Uh, they had the people wearing these ridiculous masks that on every box says, no, it's like a warning label on cigarettes. No, this will not protect you from viruses. On every box it says that they're wearing that. And then the biggest part, Frank, the biggest joke is that, while you know, coming up with this and saying how, how deadly this thing was, you saw discarded masks everywhere. Yeah. They didn't come up with like a hazmat, a special container for them. Again, if this had been a real thing, they would have done that. And they would have closed the border, Frank. They never did that. They never closed the southern border. So if you're not sealing the border, you're telling me you don't have any kind of pandemic because that's the first thing you would do. You don't want people coming in you don't know. You should have banned international travel, but they didn't do it. And they continued under Biden to let everybody in while mandating everybody else gets vaccines, but not the illegal immigrants. I mean, so politics didn't stop. And that's there's so many factors to this that make it obvious that this is a psyop. But those are two of the biggest ones. The fact that politics didn't stop because of this. So apparently our leaders didn't think it was a deadly pandemic because they would have uh, done those things. No, I know the, the southern border. That was one of those big, glaring things, and and you, um, as I was reading through this book, um, I, I I really just tipped my cap to you because along the way I'm saying yes, I had forgotten that. Oh, you know, I remember this. Oh, I'm glad he tied this in there too. There is so much, and I know that more than people, more you know, people are writing books these days, and this is why they're so important because you know the, the internet is it, it's like quicksand, and, and it's going to get all memory hold. And you know, the the thing there too is, like you said, there's been a lot of political division. There is obfuscation. There are constantly shifting narratives, contradiction, memory holding. But the one thing I've said from the beginning with confidence consistently is that if this wasn't all meticulously planned, it was the happiest set of coincidences for the ruling class ever. It squashed, you were talking about protest, it squashed real middle class protest in the world and replaced it with color revolution. It was the impetus for changing American elections and removing a president that at least to them seemed prob problematic. It killed an economy. It paved the way for digital currencies and passports and the great reset. We got we got to talk about the globalist aspect of this here too, but yeah. I mean, it's 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 huge. So if, it's, if it wasn't meticulously planned, it was a one hell of a coincidence. Yeah, well, I, I use the, you know, I talk about the, I use the line from James Forrestal, who was pushed out of a window at Bethesda Naval Hospital, 
uh, back in the uh, early 50s, I think, uh, Truman's Secretary of Defense, he told Joe McCarthy, who later died mysteriously at Bethesda Naval Hospital, that, that uh, you know, McCarthy, if, if this wasn't a giant conspiracy, once in a while they'd make a mistake in our favor. So in this case, everything fell right for them. Everything always falls right for them. They never, you know, it, some something, you know, no great leader suddenly emerges. Uh, the good guys never win, at least from our standpoint. So uh, something like this, you should have seen if we had a real uh, diversity of thought and diversity of opinion in people who have prominent positions in this country, we would have seen a lot of opposition. If the Republicans were really an opposition party, they would have been on this from the beginning. They rolled over and have all the quotes for the Marco Rubio's and stuff from the very beginning. They bought into this hook, line, and sinker, just like the Democrats did. Later, they started getting a little restless. You know, how long would he be shut down? But again, it was a weak response. Uh, they always, you know, and these all supported the vaccine. One question the fact that, you know, this thing, they usually take years to develop these things. And this was months. And uh, they didn't really test it at all adequately. I had Peter McCullough on my show. And he said, you know, they just look at the number of deaths they admitted to. Very conservative amount. I mean, it's probably a fraction of the real deaths this thing caused. But in the first month, it had more deaths, according to them, than all the other vaccines since the beginning of time, since they invented vaccines. He said, you know, a fraction of that. And any drug would be taken off the market. They wouldn't keep it. They, they not only didn't take it off the market, they refused to acknowledge it. And they demonized, they took you off of Twitter if you talked about it, or took you off of Facebook. And that's, you know, that's been the saddest thing. It really showed the naked power uh, of the opposition because they, you know, first you had uh, combined with the whammy of the election of 2020. So you had, you had them, you know, coming up with calling people election deniers, COVID deniers, and banning everybody from media who questioned this stuff. And obviously that's very dangerous. You know to allow that and the fact that it, it took a long time most republicans now seem a lot of them anyhow the freedom caucus and eventually came on board and started questioning um i don't, I don't think any of them are going to hold my book up any time soon yeah. nice. but uh, you know that's they need to go back to point a because you don't it's like in the jfk assassination if you you know if you say the mafia did it's all you know it's, it's getting what they're doing like the republicans now are talking about the lab leak theory what leaked out and and uh, yes they did suppress that for a long time but it's not it's not what leaked out of there because again COVID-19 have been proven to exist go back to the very beginning and show you how bogus this was how in China when they supposedly had people dropping dead in the streets and you know, all this kind of crazy stuff that was theatrics that the Chinese media and I had the source of there eventually said that well we included cases of pneumonia and flu which is what we all said all along. It's just the flu. It's just pneumonia. Same thing in Italy. Italy said thousands and thousands of deaths, and eventually the Italian media, private source of the book, reported that 99% of the people that died died from other causes. So this is same thing. New York City, where you are. I mean, the epicenter of it. I mean, so many things. I I talk about the empty hospital videos. I talk about the dancing nurses. Nobody else is doing that because they're a part of this. They're very important. I worked in a hospital. And I can, for a long time, and I can tell you that under no circumstances would you have a group of nurses lining up to some choreographed number and dancing around with apparently patients in the picture. I mean, it would never, ever happen. They'd all be fired. There's no hospital administration would put up with that, especially during the supposed deadly pandemic. This was going on quite a bit. And instead of questioning it, you had the Today Show or something, having them on and treating them like celebrities. 
that's what I'm talking about. It's, there was a, a scripted aspect to this that made it, uh, you know, that made it impossible for me to accept it. You know, I've had these people on my shows that film the uh, empty hospitals and uh, that film the uh, refrigerated trucks where supposedly we're holding all these bodies and they filmed them from a distance because they couldn't get close enough. But they zoomed in and you could see that all of them were in the off position, weren't on. But the media was telling you, oh, there's bodies everywhere. There wasn't a body anywhere. And so this is, this is, I think, it really showed, again, if anybody needed any uh, more evidence that the, the media is absolutely state controlled and never tells the truth, they had it right here. I mean, they're telling you, I, you know, I juxtaposed the news reports where they're talking about a particular hospital in New York. Oh, it's overflowing. You can't get in. People can't get tested. And, you know, Jason Goodman or Citizen Richard would, would go at day and film it. Nothing there. It's like a ghost town. So what what do we how can, else can we approach that? I, I don't I can't look at this as any kind of a legitimate thing because if, if this was a real deadly virus, they would have closed the southern border. You wouldn't keep catching all our leaders without their mask and, and without practicing social distance because they'd be scared of it too. I think they would unless they're all reptilians and they're immune from it or something. Which I guess is possible. At this but, point, yeah. Yeah, so you, you would see some indication that they took it seriously. And how many times did we see those things? You saw the memes out there where the reporter would be breathlessly reporting on air with their mask on, and the, the cameraman, just out of shot, was not wearing a mask. Yeah. I mean, uh, Fauci. It's, it's, how many times at Fauci? Yeah. I mean, this, this happened yeah. many times. Where yeah, it, baseball you know, game, yeah. That's it. I mean, you know, what you're bringing up there is, I think, the probably the scariest part of the the last couple of years because once it only took a few months to realize and how the the CDC and and others had to begrudgingly give us the uh, the mortality rates, which were, I mean, there was nothing to be afraid of, and right. um, so once that happened, then we were talking about the mental programming aspect of this, which was incredible. It was very religious. Um, I, we, you 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 brought up the whole point of flu and ammonia disappearing i uh, don i had my my doctor come to my house for a um a house call for my for my daughter and you know every time she came to the house she would say she would always remind us that well we know we have vaccines seasonal vaccines if you want them and we politely you know respectfully decline and uh you know she was just telling us what she had and when she would bring up the flu vaccine i swear to god don that she said this and um i and i questioned everything she ever told me before after this she said, well, you know, I have the flu vaccine, but you don't really need that because the flu hasn't been going around lately. Everybody's been wearing the masks. And it's, I, 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 I almost choked. I almost choked on nothing. I could not believe. Yeah. I could not believe. She's a very, very, very smart woman. I just couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. This has put a veil of confusion on so much. And yes. uh, man, man, oh, man. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Well, and I, th I think that, you know, what one... I think one good aspect, or just like, you know, regardless of what we criticize Trump for, you know, not doing more, uh, his presence there really served the purpose of bringing this out in the light, making people realize how bad things were because the opposition to him was so strong that he might do some of this stuff. Same thing here with uh, people. I don't think I worked in the medical, with the medical industrial complex my entire life, most of it in IT, but I saw the sausage being made. It's not pretty. And so, but most people didn't realize how bad it was until this. I mean, you started seeing this and you realize this is a this before COVID. 
acknowledged by the mainstream that the medical industrial complex, doctors, nurses, hospitals, and cells were the third leading cause of death in America. Four. Now, I submit to you, because we still don't know how many people were killed by the vaccine. We don't know how many people were killed, like my brother, by hospital protocol. I think it's almost, you know, very likely that they are now number one. So you want to put your trust in something that is the leading cause of death in America? And I think it almost certainly is because of that, because we don't know how many there were. So that's the, you know, when they, the, the production being from these people who, who I knew, I'd seen up close and personal, personal, I knew how bad they were. And this was, you know, going way back where they weren't, things weren't as bad then. They were still pretty bad even then. Just got worse. It got to the point where, you know, somebody like a Fauci, a guy like a fancy Fauci in charge of this, look at his performance with AIDS back in the 80s. He did the exact same thing then. Thousands of people died unnecessarily from his uh, ridiculous HIV test, which is very similar. HIV test is very much like the a PCR test, where it doesn't really prove anything, a high, a high you know, huge uh, false positive rate. And in the case of AIDS, it was the same kind of thing here, where people asymptomatic, that Orwellian word, which means not sick, people who aren't sick, desperately going and getting checked out in case they might be sick, and they're waiting for the men of the White Coast to tell them they're sick, and then they'll start feeling sick. That's human nature, uh, power of suggestion. But in Fauci's case, you had all these people who were completely healthy, but were terrified back in the 80s, went and got HIV positive, and he put them on AZP. Failed cancer drug, killed thousands of them, and then lo and behold, when they finally were able to get him away from it, and they took and they stopped giving them AZT, suddenly AIDS went away. Is anything serious? You stopped hearing about it. So, although it seems to be coming back now, you know, because of this, but it's, uh, so there's a he has a track record there. This guy is the face of this. People were uh, were actually, and not to mention the. The experiments he did with dogs and children and all that stuff, and Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s talked about that and talked about that in his book. And uh, this is, you know, you're, you're trusting an absolute monster and monsters. You, you juxtapose him against uh, Bill Gates, you know, the leading eugenicist in the world. And that's why I think we can we can look at the, the purpose behind this was twofold. One was test the waters and see if Americans had a tipping point or anybody around the world had a tipping point, obviously anywhere so so they can pretty much you know they, they do whatever they want and we're not going to fight back we've shown it so that was the tester let's steep up the authoritarianism let's 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 you know get ratchet up the tyranny it worked but the main reason was to introduce the vaccine because these people are all eugenicists they fantasize about killing millions of people they can't stop talking about it and they appear to have done that we don't know how many people have died from uh not COVID, but from the vaccines and from hospital protocol, uh, but it could be in the millions. So, and you know, for, the death rate went up by forty percent. The insurance companies tell us in twenty twenty one, which is incredible, an un unprecedented figure in the history of the world. It should have been the number one story. They hardly talked about it. So, they appear to be doing what they tell. So, and you know, you compare, you can contrast with the exact the thing that was happening at the same time. Most of the last couple of years was this transgender lunacy that was coming out again if you if you combine the vaccine killing lots of people and as naomi wolf and others have pointed out from the pfizer documents really messed with women's reproductive systems and made it very hard to conceive uh lots of high miscarriage rate things like that men's testosterone going down 
So they've already messed with that enough where it's it's more problematic than ever to have a baby. But if you can convince people and they're doing it with non-staff propaganda, you can convince young kids that, hey, maybe you're not the right gender. So if you can get girls to become boys and boys to become girls, you can't have any babies. So combined with the, the kill off from the vaccine and that, I think you have your answer there. I think this is the eugenicist dream. The idea is to to really reduce the, the Earth's population, and I, you know, I think they're doing it. Yeah, I, th- there's a social contagion th- to this as well. We were talking about it just before I got on the air with you. There was one article again out of uh, that focused on Brown University, where 40 percent of Brown University students say that they're not straight. They're not. They're not heterosexual. Which I say, <laughs> if, if you can't t- to, to, to even suggest that this is natural, wow. would mean that we would been we would been exist before extinct before we made it. I don't know. We we wouldn't even gotten into. I mean, in ancient Egypt, we would have already been uh, extinct. Yes, yes. If this was yes. natural. So, but let me ask you this: because when you bring up all of those. Um, all of those uh, numbers and the anomalies and, and how people were dying, because there's no doubt about it that people have died. Um, it's, it's why. And I said in, in the middle of 2020, once we started getting those hard numbers from the, the, the CDC, about 98 point, I mean, 99 point something plus survivability rates, I said, all yes. right, well, this they're going they're getting the deaths from somewhere they're consolidating numbers they're recategorizing and you give this one and a half years and this is going to be as nuclear it's going to be as as toxic a thing to touch as holocaust denialism because it's exactly yes. what they're going to say and here we have it um it, it's mm-hmm. um it, it's just crazy it's been totally reprogrammed around this thing and um and as you said, the, the purpose is, is pretty clear. They had a lot of domestic agendas there, but my God, um, what's going on as far as what's being projected out into the world? Uh, tell, uh, talk a little bit about your, your things, uh, things there, because by summer 2020, it was clear that this went right up toward the top of the ladder where the kings and the popes and the billionaire futurists do business. And um, I mean, Charles was saying around July of 2020 that COVID was providing the opportunity to transition the world. He actually used it a military style plan to flight the climate and everything else. Is it? Oh, boy. Wowie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, well, it all gets it all gets kind of uh, wound up together in there, but it's all part of this globalist thing where they want to try to you know they they've wanted to try to end national sovereignty for a long time. Uh, <clears throat> they're trying to do that, and certainly in, in America, they're using the open border for that because if you, I believe that was one of Donald Trump's first really sensible comments. He said, you know, you either have a country or you don't. If you don't have a border, you don't have a country, and uh, that's uh, you know, many people, Tucker Carlson and many others have brought that up. But you, you can't. The idea that you can have open borders, it, it, that's that's part and parcel of the globalist movement because it removes that national boundary. Now, people can have a utopian vision and say, well, there shouldn't be any boundaries. Okay, but it, it, why is it just in America? How come China you know, still has boundaries? So I have Japan. Again, these are just white Western countries because that's where this agenda is happening. And the idea is to flood these countries with people who they're going to clash with. Populations language-wise, culture-wise, but play racial politics, and that's what they're doing here. There's no, for instance, you know, it's no, it's no accident. You don't hear, do you hear anybody calling for bringing uh, migrants from South Africa? It's certainly a country that's in turmoil. Uh, do you hear anybody talking about bringing migrants from South Africa? Well, no, because they're, they'd be white. 
they'd have to acknowledge, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, some, some really bad things that are happening there in the post-apartheid government, which they fought so hard for. So, they, and they're not going to do that. Just, and that's why people that we're dealing with, uh, whether it's the government leaders or just your family members, people don't like to admit they're wrong. You know, our family members are not conspirators, but it's human natures. They they don't want to ever admit people like us, especially are right, because we've been demonized beyond belief. And it'd be just like nationally for Hollywood to suddenly uh, say, Donald Trump was right, we were wrong about you. It's just not going to happen. They're so invested in something. And uh, the people that are against what we're saying, so emotionally invested in this, they're never going to admit we were right. So it doesn't matter that um, a lot of the stuff we talked about, they've had to you know, kind of acknowledge. I mean, for instance, early on, I was taunted many times before I was uh, shadow banned and uh, blocked and deleted by people like my niece and everything. I was canceled by my own family. Taunted, um, we still think it's just the flu and all that stuff because that's basically what we were saying. But then comes fall of 2020 and they told you the flu was gone. I thought that would wake up a few more people that say, okay, you're not questioning it still. And they're telling you there's no flu in the midst of this unprecedented thing that we were saying was the flu. And it's it, no, no light bulb is still going off in your head. And, uh, but I, I guess it was just took the flu took a year off or something, needed a vacation because I mean, it's back in 2021. But I mean, just, there's so many elements to this. Oh, so stupid. I, I go over them all, you know, where the, the idea that, that uh, children who have, who were posed, even if this thing had been real, they were under no threat from it at all. The idea that you mask up kids like that, totally unnatural, created way more problems than it solved. That came from an eighth grade girl's friend. Uh, they got that idea from an eighth grader. So it became, I mean, it's, 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 it would be, it, you would laugh at it if it wasn't so sad, but it's the, the idea that, that we followed these things. And I give exam many examples as I can of how, it's, it, you know, if the world ever regains its sanity, they're gonna remember the way people act. They better hope people like us have forgiving natures because uh, I, luckily, luckily I had already been fired from the workforce. I'm a full-time writer, so they really haven't been able to fire me from that, although they shadow ban me everywhere. But, um, except Substack, you know, please <clears throat> follow me there, but, um, so they can't, but if I still had a regular job and I'd hear something, I, obviously I wouldn't have survived that. I would have been fired instantly because I wouldn't, I would have objected to wearing my mask. I wouldn't have gotten the vaccine. Uh, so I wouldn't have survived that. I would have been talking about it on the job, which is what I did all the time when I was on the job. I talked like this pretty much, you know, yeah. and most people liked it. You know, I was ranting and raving about everything and here, this thing was happening this incredibly stupid policy. Um, so a lot of people did lose their jobs from that. And it was it just it, kind of collective hysteria. It was like uh, I've read about, I think it was the 1400s, 1500s. I don't know if you've read that, but there, it lasted like a hundred years, the, the mad dancing craze that, that yeah. happened all around the world. I mean, just, there were people who started dancing crazily in the streets. It, it, it's sort of par with that. I mean, that's how, that's how insane this was. People believed, I mean, I, I've talked to people in my family and actually they've had you know, have it seven, eight boosters, however many boosters they've had now. And then they still get COVID, supposedly. I said, does it, so it, does it, why Why did you get the boosters? You still got the thing. And they'll just regurgitate Fauci and the doctors talking about, well, it, it would have been a lot worse if I didn't get it. 
I think so. I yeah, but like you said, Don, like you said, Don, there's not going to be that Scooby-Doo moment. And and I think this is what really gets yeah. a lot of, the, a lot of people are 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 always wondering about because we have all the pieces or most of the pieces. We have enough to understand what happened. And now it comes down to this whole idea of, you know, the the thought of Nuremberg 2.0. That whole Sco- that whole moment, that when I say Scooby-Doo, I'm sure you know what I mean. You, you pull the mask mm-hmm. off and they're like, "Oh, you damn sure. metal, you damn meddling kids. I would have gotten away with it too." We're not going to get, we're, like you said, we're never going to get that. So now what we're doing, and this is the really annoying thing for me, we're getting this series of limited hangout mea culpas. Um, yes. it, they're being delivered in, the, in the, uh, the, the media from people who drove the madness down our throats with no sign of mercy whatsoever. And they want everybody to know now that they did the, what they did with the best of intentions, due to, knowing, doing what they could, what they thought to be best, and that there were mistakes made. Yes. Uh, what do you think yeah. about retribution going forward? Is this just a, a job for God in the end, or or, yeah. or what? I, I just wrote recently on uh, Substack. I, I'm writing more and more spiritual stuff on on Substack, and that's it. Please follow me on Substack, Donald Jeffries at Substack.com. I protest. That's the only place where I can promote anything. You know, this book coming out, I couldn't really promote it on Facebook or Twitter because I'm shadow banned there, and so they really block the number of people that I can. Uh, too, but Substack is a free speech platform. So I, I wrote something uh, yesterday. I think it was my latest article, and it was about uh, it was about Judgment Day. You know, about people. You know, do they even? Just talking about are people? Do they think they're going to be judged? And I think the way people behave, and I, I think they don't think they're going to be judged. They wouldn't do the things they do because they're. I mean, I'm not even talking about sexual stuff or anything. Just really bad stuff. Really bad behavior. And uh, so. I don't think we could, you know, how, I don't think we can, first of all, there are, there's so few honest judges. I mean, just, you've seen what's happening with Donald Trump and Alex Jones and all the people that, that aren't even that controversial. Imagine what they do to people like us. Uh, the courtrooms are stacked now. It's any kind of perceived opposition that politicized. And they will, I mean, you know, when you, when you can convict Donald Trump or somebody on a rape charge and the woman doesn't even remember what year it took place and she's on she's on a record joking about it years later I mean it just you know I don't know what to tell you if that's a, if you're taking that credibility same thing with Alex Jones when you're prosecuting somebody repeatedly what about double jeopardy repeatedly for the same thing which is basically questioning an event that's what he, I mean, and not even really questioning it that, uh, you know, controversially, I don't believe. But when you keep doing that and they have no chance of winning, the media stacked up against, they don't think they have, there's no innocent until proven guilty. Uh, there's no, the, the judges now, when you walk into these courts, you saw those judges in the last two cases Alex Jones had, oh my, I would tremble going into a courtroom. These bad call them TikTok judges. I mean, these there's, there's no question that if, if you walk in, you have zero chance. They're going to look at what, okay, what is he here for? What are his politics? You're guilty. There's not even any point in having a trial. You can't have a system like that. So, yeah, we can't trust that. So, yeah. I think people need their faith. And uh, the, the corruption is so bad. And it's at every level. I look at the school boards. I thought maybe we could clean things up at the school boards. That's the bottom here. We can't get it done there. We can't get it done anywhere. I don't see it changing much. So if we can't root out the corruption at that level, we can't do it. It's too powerful. So what? who else but a supernatural force, but a God, could possibly 
take this kind of thing on. It's it's so entrenched. And I say I don't shy away from saying that I think it's uh, inspired by something way more than just human uh, frailties. You know that uh, you know the bad uh, you know characteristics. I think that this is uh, satanically inspired in the most part. Especially something like that transgender lunacy. That that comes from the darkest place imaginable. You look at those little girls with their Frankenstein scars and mothers are proudly displaying that's 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 goes to the darkest place i can think of that, that is not just a difference of opinion ah i couldn't agree with you more that is it's it's so macabre and it is so i don't know it's i couldn't agree with you more and i i often i often approach this 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 uh subject from that standpoint of the un, the unforeseen, the occult, and and it, what is being manifested here, and and of course it it it, uh, it only goes it only goes to stands to reason why after such amazing counter cult so called countercultural revolutions where we have been liberated from everything traditional from faith to to uh, you know social norms that were stable for throughout the uh, the best times in civilization, um, it, it only it only goes to to show where we are. Right now, that this it comes at the end of so-called liberation, you know that 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 whole that whole aspect. And you know, since we're talking now, we've talked a, a little bit about culture. I got to ask you this because um, I didn't see. I, maybe I missed it in the uh, in the book, but we lost so many celebrities and cultural icons yeah, over yeah. the last three years, uh, especially once the vaccine window had opened in December of 2020. Yeah. In years past, Don. A man like Hank Aaron, if he were yes. to have died, it would have been all eyes on the funeral. This would have been, we would have savored and honored each per. I feel like we lost so many people that we don't even understand. Yes. Did you, yeah. ever, did you yeah. take account of the kind of cultural, uh, the cultural icons we lost? I did. I, and I mentioned, I mentioned Aaron and I mentioned uh, one of the most uh, obvious was Marvin Hagler. Who uh, you know, very very strong guy. You remember Marvin Hagler's boxer, obviously fit, and um, Tommy Hearns, a fellow boxer, made the mistake of uh, tweeting out, "Please pray for Marvin Hagler. He's battling for his life after getting the COVID vaccine." Mm. He put that out there, and they they boy, the thought police came after him, you know, in seconds, and uh, he quickly retracted it, and uh, they obviously got to Marvin's widow. And she came out and said it had nothing to do with the vaccine. Okay, sure. So, but you know they can do those things, but people, people obviously know what's going on. How many celebrities? I mean, I, most of the celebrities that were dropping like flies. Bob Saget is very bizarre death where he supposedly hit his head. I, the story made no sense at all. I don't know, but I know that a month before he was bragging about his latest booster, uh, <clears throat> so a lot of these people were before they died. So, you know. It, it, it does seem like the celebrity death rate went way up as well because we're they were dropping like flies and most of the time uh my friends and i and like we, we just started saying they, they don't even look the cause anymore most of the time they don't even tell you how they died they just died and that's it and didn't you used to give a cause but and, and because it's obvious what you know most people yeah. know okay and we would all joke yeah obviously you know it was vaxxed in many cases as you can see that they have proof that, uh, like uh, Lisa Marie Presley, for instance, was very, um, you know, very open about getting vaxxed and everything online. So, you know, I don't know that they all died because of that, but these people that die before their time and they don't list a cause, I think it's fair to assume that they're part of it. And certainly the athletes, we talked about uh, Warren Hamlet even. I, I, I didn't go, I went a little bit in the book, but I, uh, 
I wrote more extensively at Substack about that because that looked like it was the first American athlete that had dropped dead on the field. Everybody just assumed he dropped dead because the soccer players had been dropping dead. And a lot of us were questioning, you know, it's not that we wanted to see it happen, but it was a little odd that it hadn't happened to American athletes. And, and people were saying, well, maybe they're getting a placebo. I don't know. Because the ones in Europe sure weren't. They were dropping like flies. And these are, you know, soccer, soccer athletes, or soccer players are probably the best athletes in the world. Didn't be happening. And, um, but then the DeMar Hamlet thing had a lot of strange elements to it, too. I go into that in the book. I don't want to get distracted too much to it, but um, you know, it's it's you question everything when you see these things. But when you look at not only the desk, when you see I coached uh, you know youth sports for many years, my kids are young, and uh, it never occurred to me I, I would have been terrified to, to go to a soccer game or a basketball game or something and uh, think that one of my players, God forbid, my own kid, up dead on the field. But that's a very real fear now. It's happened because again, myocarditis, and no one ever heard of that term before. I never had. And uh, now it's it's so common, and it's so they've managed to convince parents that this is a thing, that they have crash carts now at most elementary schools, in case some kid has a heart attack. I mean, just imagine how the lunacy behind that, and no one's questioning it. No one's associating it with. With the only thing that is, as Peter McCullough said, there's only one thing that's entered the equation that wasn't there before, and that's the warp speed vaccine. So again, people should, but you, you know, if, if I if I say this, I'll be slapped with COVID denial, you know, and that's a, and again, you're right. They use the Holocaust language, Holocaust denial, where they started couching something in terms of a mental illness, and now they use that denial thing for everything, COVID denial, election denial. Denying an election took place. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're, we're questioning circumstances. You know, the questioning that there was fraud. You know. Now it's uh, it, it's nuts in that respect. It um, in every respect, it's it's very hard to find a. I, I remember when they started going on. They had that one woman on MSNBC that, that actually brought her doctor onto the air, and uh, and wanted to the doctor to explain to the the world that the common cold gave her periocarditis and myocarditis that, that the common cold <laughs> then we started hearing that cold showers is giving people heart attacks oh Cli- whistles i have all the book everything whistles uh, uh video games climate change co- climate, oh yeah of course what's this, another thing climate change has. but I mean, they, again they just threw these things out there and we're called crazy for just you know saying that kids didn't use to have heart attacks and there's so many elements in this that I, I compare it. There's so many Orwellian elements in 1984 where so much of this is Winston Smith working at the Ministry of Truth and going and cleaning up. So if he, if he was working during this, he would be cleaning things up and making it look like kids had always had heart attacks for him. That's nothing new. Or the common cold can cause it, that kind of stuff. And I, I'm, one, I'm the only one that's questioning in the 1918 flu. And I, I was, uh, there was an article by John O'Sullivan I quoted in there that uh, – did some really good research to indicate that you know, maybe this this thing wasn't as we reported either. It might have gotten out of it might have been an early vaccine experiment of Kansas uh, that the soldiers took to the trenches and it spread throughout Europe. I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that. Uh, and again, I'm visions of Winston Smith in my head working at the Ministry of Truth and going back and photoshopping things if he had the ability. I, I looked at those pictures from 1918. They started showing all these pictures of people with masks, and I was very dubious. And then I saw a picture from the 1918 World Series. I'm a big baseball guy, and I used to be a historian of really early baseball. The time I was a kid, I just was in love with baseball, and I love the history of it. 
I had seen this photograph in many books in the 1980s. It was a player at the, at, at the plate. This guy was not wearing a mask in those photographs. He is now. Whoa. He superimposed a mask on him. And uh, I, I, as I said, look, do you understand what the, uh, <clears throat> the culture was like, especially in the world sports in 1918? These, these guys were not your modern athletes. These were really tough guys. A lot of them run on the field drunk. Uh, they played hurt and everything. They, they, they were. They would have uh, shamed anybody, any of their fellow players that put a mask on. That would have been seen. It's such a you know like a sissy act or something. They would have never done that. And again, I saw the picture before. Now you can find it, and it has a mask on it. Um, I don't own the book. I wish I had you know bought a book with it. Maybe I did. I can look at my old baseball books, but. Um, because that would be, you know, game over if I could find it. I need to try to find that if I can, uh, you know. But uh, those are the kind of things I look for because that, and that's the kind of stuff Winston Smith would do in the Ministry of Truth. He would go back and try to uh, to bring history into accord with what the present uh, so-called truth is, and uh, so that that tells you the power they have. But I just do not believe that. Uh, so I guess you know my. I knew people. My my parents. I was very. Uh, uh, my parents were very old when I was born, and uh, you know, I never heard any of these kinds of stories that that that, that things like that were going on. So I'm looking at this right now, Don. Uh, it's New York Times. It says the healing power of baseball. It was this was from May first, twenty twenty. And, mm-hmm. and there is the picture. I've never seen it before. Baseball players wore, and let me get it on the screen. Baseball players wore masks for, for protection from the influenza of 1918-1919. You're saying that this, this thing is 100% fabricated. Oh, that, that photograph, 100%. I've seen it with that. And again, I, I know about those baseball players in that era. They would, there's not as, if, if any of them had wanted to do it, they would have been shamed. Probably beat up. I tell you, I you know that th- those were those were a rough. These, these were guys that were you know, all chew, uh, chewing tobacco and spitting it out. If they got a wound or a cut or something, they just spit tobacco juice on it. I mean, they were really tough guys, and they just would have they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't want to be embarrassed by their peers, even if they thought they needed to do it. They would have laughed at that, scoffed at it, and uh, just not to mention that would have didn't have baseball players doing it in 2020. So why would they have done it in 1918? I mean, it's, the idea is ridiculous. It would have, they probably would have thought, oh, God, you know, maybe it's going to cut my breath off. You know, they would, they would have thought it was, they wouldn't be able to play to their peak abilities. I, I don't believe that for a second, but I know that one picture, like I said, I've seen that I saw in other books before where he wasn't wearing. Well, I just use that as an example of how deep the rabbit hole goes here, that they're willing to do that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you and I have got to talk baseball history one night because I am also a, a huge huge fan of its founding and i think it's a, a, a deeply important american thing for people to understand even if yeah. you don't watch the games just to understand what this was as a cultural phenomenon um it was uh, in incredibly important stuff there so um uh, one other thing i want to ask you is also your talks with john mcavey I know that yeah. you, uh, you had John McAfee on your show once or twice, especially yeah. uh, especially in the in the middle of all of this uh, the COVID yeah. stuff. Uh, what about your experience interviewing McAfee on the subject? Uh, really stands out, especially since he died a short time afterward. Well, yeah, that stands out. But uh, he uh, he was he was very skeptical. We were we were uh, <laughs> we saw eye to eye. He he didn't buy any of it. He would he wouldn't even tell me. I think he was on the show two times, at least two times. 
And the second time he actually contacted me uh, through his wife because he enjoyed it the first time. He said, I don't I don't do this. Today. I don't know why. I just I let him talk, I guess. But um, I built him up, too, because I said, you know, you're he, he really was a throwback to a guy. This guy was like a uh, a Wild West guy. Hmm. I mean, he was he was as rough. He well, he was living player. like he was living like a pirate. Yes, toward the he end. was. I mean, he, he was he was smoking, uh, chain smoking at seventy some years old, uh, drinking a fifth of whiskey a day or something, and he's just, you know he's working out, walking around with you know assault weapons. All the time. <laughs> I mean, he he was, uh, and I you know there were rumors he killed somebody, and I I could believe he would have done it. I mean, he he was a tough guy, man. And he was, I told him, I said, you know, man, you make it with my kind of high-pitched voice. I mean, he had that booming, deep machismo, you know, coming out of his voice. But he, uh, people loved him on the show because he was just entertaining. And he, uh, you know, he wouldn't even say where he was. He, he was basically from parts unknown, like one of the old wrestlers or something, because he would, he didn't want to say where it was at. Because uh, after or something, but he uh, died very mysterious. I've never, I've tried to get a hold of his uh, wife who I communicated with before she's never answered me because I'd love that everyone the show I, I th- obviously think they knocked him off and I want to find out the rumor about that tweet that he really sent that tweet that talked about uh, all his files could be found in that apartment building that condo building that collapsed in Florida oh now I don't know if that's true or not but that's there's a tweet out there that says it was from him but I, I haven't been able to verify it but again that's a smoking gun if that's true well, I, I uh, Don, I just wanted to, to, to wrap this segment up just for a, a quick second because I want to ask you some off-topic questions. So I want to throw the, the book cover up on the screen again. Sure. Uh, Masking the Truth, ladies and gentlemen, How COVID-19 Destroyed Civil Liberties and Shut Down the World by Donald Jeffries with a wonderful forward by Sherry Tenpenny. Um, that's a great get right there, Don. Well, where can people uh, buy this, by the way? Well, anywhere. Originally, we told them to buy it through the publisher. Uh <laughs> I, and I, if people can go to my, uh, I don't have the address memorized, but they, if they can go to my Twitter and uh, Facebook and my Substack, uh, and I have it there. It's lulu.com, Midnight Writer News. I don't remember exactly, but uh, I do get more of a cut if uh, people buy it there. So most we held it back from Amazon for a while, but Amazon's also important too because ratings are important, numbers are important. So wherever you buy it, I'll be appreciative of, and uh, you know, please recommend it to your libraries because. Um, I think, I suspect something is up there. This is my eighth book, and I've never had uh, an issue where it's not showing up in the world catalog for libraries. Just it's not showing up at all. Uh, it wasn't. I don't. I still think it's not on Google Books. It wasn't for again. That's never happened to any of my other books, and they're certainly controversial. This is probably my most controversial. So it needs. Uh, we have to try to break through these algorithms, and uh, so I'm grateful for the people that have uh, supported it and I uh, you know wherever you buy it was it'd be uh, wonderful and again I just it's just as well if you get your library to take it it's a sale and it'll get more hands so I appreciate anything you can do there well I hope that people go check it out I, I definitely um, will be making sure that I have a hard copy for my library once I'm able to settle into my new place but I, I speaking of breaking programming and uh, I, I want to and smoking guns actually I would like to ask you a few off-topic questions what not uh, first RFK jr um, campaigning 
Uh, I've been keeping tabs on his campaign just because the subject matter that he brings up has been incredible. It's been MK Ultra, it's been physical yeah. fitness, it's been toxic environments, yeah. but he's also been giving incredible interviews, detailed play-by-plays of the assassinations of his elders, <laughs> calling out the CIA. I mean, I, I listen, t- tiding into your own writing about this you know this latest book with RFK in there and all and and whatnot pharmaceutical companies he's talking about what has watching RFK the last couple of months been like for you and anything about the JFK and RFK assassinations has that been uh, anything new been uttered that you thought was interesting well Bobby is uh, what's amazing is he really is well read on the subject he knows his stuff I've been researching this for you know, decades, and he, he knows his stuff, especially his father. You know, he you know, has the most personal interest possible, and he's the only one in the family that cared enough, you know, other than John John, who they knocked off, you know, John, John Jr., you know, but RFK Jr., so he's, he's great on this, and I never thought I'd live to see a presidential candidate, at least of all a Kennedy, that would be openly talking about the government killing his father and his uncle, and he's doing that. Uh, I, you know, I'm, he's got me. You know, he's he seduced me. I'm in. You know, I, I'm there. He's got me. And, you know, he, he's. I'm at his disposal. He can have whatever he wants for me because I, he's. And I, I, I know people tell me, oh, he's, he's this and that, and he's, uh, yeah, he, 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 he waved an Israeli flag in a parade. I mean, I, there, I know there's, there's some things I don't like, but it's kind of like with Trump's rhetoric. You know, it's like who else is saying those kinds of things? They're gonna get your pet. That's the best we have. And in our case. RFK Jr.'s case, it's just not, he's not only saying a lot of the stuff Trump said, and in many cases going farther, especially on the left, and he also wants to seal the border, into the border, and I was, I was surprised he did that, but he's been right on a lot of the, you know, he's, compare him to everybody else. I mean, he just, there's, and plus he just, if you listen to him talk, he's so, compared to all the other candidates, he's a mental giant. They're, they can't even go in his shadow. He's so well-educated. He's so well-read. He knows history, just like his father and his uncle did. And they were pretty much the last candidates that could quote all the Greek classics and things like that. No other candidate. Imagine Joe Biden or something. He, he couldn't even quote from a Greek menu or something. I mean, yeah, Joe Biden reading <laughs> quotes from Tacitus. That would be that would be something <laughs> else there. No, I, I knew I knew that this would this would um, this would have caught your attention. I didn't know that you were oh, yeah. all in just because of all the work that you've done on the Kennedy family assassinations yeah. and all the, the mystery surrounding it. Uh, I mean, the play by plays he's been giving has been incredible. Um, That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is this? Uh, here's the other thing I wanted to ask you about. In June, the Daily Mail, another assassination, um, the Daily Mail published a story about forensic evidence that suggested that there could have been a previously undisclosed second shooter of John Lennon. Um, obviously, that's another big assassination with MK Ultra implications. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the second shooter theory there? Because I have never heard of it. Well, I've written and my, uh, no, I, I owe a lot to the, the three people that do a lot of research for me, Peter T. Koch, Chris Graves, and... Uh, Bob Wilson on a call out today, and because now writing these books is not easy anymore, because all of the search engines are controlled, and they all use Google's alg- algorithms. People have sent me; I had like a dozen alternate search engines I use. They still—it's really hard to find this stuff. They know what you're looking for, and they try to block it. You have to go around it. So thank goodness for them. But Peter Seacosh has done a lot of great research since I wrote—I wrote about the Lennon assassination in Unbarred Fame, my book about Joe Biz, and. Uh, 
in there, I raised doubts on uh, Jose Padormo, for instance, who's the doorman. I mean, I think that's the red flag there. Norman of the Dakota is a guy named Jose Padormo, who was in the mix of those anti-Castros that were swirling around Oswald and the people in New Orleans at the time of the JFK assassination. For him to wind up as the doorman at the Dakota, and we've been able, unable to determine when he got to the Dakota as the doorman. I don't know how long. I suspect it probably wasn't long before Lenin was assassinated. Yes, because you know, they tend to plant these people there. And uh, so him there to me was a real red flag. And yeah, there's a, Peter's done a lot of work on the ballistics. And that, that was even before that story came out. Uh, there, I mean, just on the surface of it, Mark David Chapman, they've told so many lies about this guy. Uh, the idea was that, not to mention he had such a dubious background, which is intertwined with uh, John Hinckley's. For instance, he was, he was connected to World Vision International. John Hinckley's father was president of World Vision International. Mm. And uh, he, he traveled quite a bit for somebody that had uh, didn't seem to have the financial wherewithal to do that. But we were told that what we was uh, painted in the press was he was a deranged fan. He was obsessed with Lenin. Well, you know, I had Phil Strongman, who wrote a pretty good book about the RFK assassination on my, on my show a few years back. And he's the first one that, that discovered that... Uh, Mark David Chapman didn't own any Lennon records or Beatle records at all. The first one he had was Double Fantasy that Lennon signed. I mean, so that's a strange way for a deranged Beatles fan to act, to not have any, especially someone his age, he was just naturally been a Beatles fan. But apparently he didn't. And uh, the way he he sat down after he acted, supposedly, he sat there calmly. Now, keep in mind, this is before security cameras. He could have shot Lennon and he could have just ran off into the New York night and probably never be found. I mean, they wouldn't have the cameras around, and you know, he, he could have acted you know, quickly. He obviously, caught everybody off guard. Um, no, he sat down, calmly started reading Catcher in the Rye, which a lot of people have suggested is one of those cratering books that's used in MK Ultra, and uh, sat there and waited for these artists to come. And uh, so it's it's I I think that they're certainly probably was the second government. I haven't analyzed the ballistics in it, but there's a lot of questions there. And Peter, I, I'm trying to get him to write a book about it because uh, he's discovered a lot of stuff. But yeah, there's, uh, I mean, I don't think there's any question that Lennon was killed as a result of conspiracy. I mean, I, I don't trust any of these narratives. Why would I trust the narrative on one of the most politically active uh, musicians all time? And, uh, you know, he just, he, ha he happens to be the one that gets killed and he happens to be the only one that the, uh, the FBI had tons of files on, some of them still classified. I mean, there's you know, the rock and roll stars that have a bunch of unclassified files on them. So something was going on there. So, yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely something there. Yeah, the uh, it reminded me a little, as I'm reading that, I started thinking about RFK talking about his father, RFK mm -hmm. Jr. talking about his father, and how Sirhan Sirhan, and I believe you and I spoke about this, I think I talked about it a little bit with John Barber as well, but to this day, he doesn't have any recollection of the whole thing, and uh, some people thought that his, his, his gun had the blanks in it, and that he was really just there to be the patsy yes. and miss and whatever, uh, but one way or another, his shots were not the kill shots, and, uh, and he has no recollection. You're talking about uh, Mark David Chapman just sitting there wondering why he didn't just leave and uh, it, it kind of has the same energetic resonance between the two yeah. and, um, and and then the bigger question here for me Don is you know you and I we've discussed Laurel Canyon together and the bigger mm -hmm. questions behind the kinds of powers that were behind uh, so-called counterculture movements there but with that in mind can you 
I, I, honestly, John Lennon, as you said, very politically active person, but um, he was he was pretty far left. I mean, he, it makes you wonder why death. He was no John Bircher or anything like that. I mean, there's there's lots of hippies out there that over give them a couple of couple of uh, decades. They start voting. They start voting for people like Barack Obama and Joe Biden. You give right, them, right. you know. So it's just I never understood why. Like what 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 was it? Well, we don't. We know that there uh, there was indications that Lenin went through a period uh, where he uh, found Jesus Christ for briefly, and supposedly, uh, and there actually. Uh, one of my friends, Jude Kessler, has uh, has some uh, recordings of him that he wrote songs about that for a while, and they're very hard to find, and uh, Yoko supposedly put the kibosh on it. But um, there are also comments he made about Ronald Reagan, which are strange, because it looked like he was kind of attracted to Reagan. So Lennon may have been turning... He, he was attracted to Reagan? That, that's what I've heard, that he made some kind of comments on that. Get money. Keep in mind again, he he was he he was killed right as the country was turning to the right. So during the '80s, it was a very conservative decade. So he might have you know started going in that direction as well. We don't know. And he also was coming out of seclusion. He had been he hadn't recorded for five years. So he had uh, he had been you know staying at home and baking bread and taking care of Sean and all you know what we've heard, but. Uh, so he was. This was like you know, double fantasy. Was a coming out party for him. He was coming back, and we don't really know what he was. You know, he had he hadn't started touring. He hadn't started doing interviews or anything like that. I, who knows what he would have uh, what he would have been like on the David Letterman shows and things like that. He he may have been he may have had a completely different perspective. I don't know. I do know that Yoko is you know as, as outrageous as she can be. Uh, was is very interested in conspiracy mm -hmm. and. I, I read a reading list for her. I, in fact, I sent uh, in history, tried to send in history to her when it came out, and her representative was interested and said, I'll tell Yoko about this. And I said, so maybe Yoko read it. But, um, and we know Lennon was very interested as well. Both Lennon and McCartney were very interested in the JFK assassination, and Lennon had an interest in all these policies. And uh, so I, I think that. Uh, I, I don't see him becoming uh, like McCartney. I don't. I don't think he would ever. Been, I, I don't think he would have ever accepted a Sir John Lennon. I think he would have scoffed it. Oh yeah. And I think he would have, in one way or another, I think he would have stayed radical. And I think he just would have been. He would have been a voice, a, a unique voice, and probably might have been out of touch with the times. I don't know what he would have done, but uh, all we can do is look at what happened, and it, it sure looks like they lied about his death, and, and the, kind of the familiar way we. We see with all these other assassinations. Uh, that's that's really all I can say. I, other than that, speculation. Well, I knew that you would be a great guy to talk to about it, especially at the end of a uh, a very very healthy uh, uh, discourse that we had here. And I I really it's been great catching up with you again, Don. And and we have to have you back again soon because there's so many more things I want to jump into. Sure. Um, a lot of things, and I I guess we'll we'll discuss that off air. But again. Uh, go ahead and please tell everybody where you want to, them to go. Mainly, is it your Substack? Because I didn't know what what yes. uh, what link to put yes. in the the, the, the yeah. Uh, Substack is good. Substack. I, I have a pay option there, and they're actually. I mean, everything's free. I'm a populist, so I don't have a paywall. But there is a pay option, and a lot of people have started uh, doing that. That's very supportive, so I really appreciate it. It's like five bucks a month or something, but you can get it for free. Either way, free subscribers are great too. So it's DonaldJeffries.substack.com. I write there regularly. I am developing. I am growing there. It's the only place I'm growing, so I'm getting a, you know, a bit of a 
a reputation there. So that's the place to go. I mean, you can still follow me at John Jeffries at Twitter. Uh, try to break the algorithm there. They really, you know, I've had people tell me, yeah, I've had to follow you eight times because they keep unfollowing people. Yeah, they, uh, but, you know, we can certainly try that to break break their algorithm. But um, other than my website is donaldjeffries.media too. And I have, uh, you know, I have eight books now and I've got two more in the works that are going to be coming out soon. So uh, people can find out. Uh, if you search for me and you'll find out probably uh more than you want to know. And more than you want to. That, that's the way it is everywhere. everywhere. But donaldjeffries.substack.com. I just added it to the description of this evening's broadcast. Don, have a wonderful evening. Uh, it's all the best to your family, and we will talk soon. Thank you, Frank. Thank uh, you. There you go, Thank ladies you. and gentlemen. There he is, and there he was, and another one in the books. All right, we're going to go on a really quick break. When we return, it's going to be your calls and your super chats. Driving this one home, all right? All right, good. Be right back. Oh, here you go. Here's a nice man in a bikini for uh, to lift your spirits. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Hey. All right, wasn't that nice? Good to have Don Jeffries back. And uh, that the... The book is out, and you can find it anywhere, and it's a good conversation starter. I would bring it up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. Talk about COVID this Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, don't do that. Keep it for your personal library so you can cry alone in your room. All right, let's see. We're taking some calls. 
and we are going to be going into the super chats so let's do that first on quite frankly superchat.com i guess i should have said this before quite frankly superchat.com that's where you can it's a universal super chat you can send it in on air or off air first one came in off the air over the course of the weekend that is from katie katie sky katie says happy saturday frank see i wasn't on saturday it's possible all throughout the weekend you really are the best podcast host a fan could ask for isn't that nice from the girl from texas and let's go to hello kitty this is from tonight says hey frank me well we Dwayne and i just wanted to send a hug to you lauren and aurora it yeah well it, it was um it was a lonely summer not getting to see you guys out there in south carolina but i'm sure another another meetup will happen in in the years to come Silky Johnson says, Frank, don't forget it. It was also just the weed, bro. That's why people's hearts were blowing up. That's right. I remember the marijuana. You got to stay away from that cannabis because your heart is just going to explode. Totally unrelated to the jab. And I remember that they said it was also vaccine hesitance anxiety. I believe they called that uh, it, it that or something similar. You're right, Silky. They're saying that the the anxiety, the anticipatory anxiety that was built up to receiving the vaccine is what made certain people's shot experience uh, go haywire. All goes beyond that. You know, I often wonder, and I want to bring somebody in about the whole uh, cannabis thing there too. More and more, I see these articles that that come out and say that um, habitual cannabis usage uh, is is like a building stone or a block. It, it raises your chances of schizophrenia later in life and I want to be able to talk with somebody about that because obviously my bullshit meter goes up but on the other hand there are so many new cultivation techniques that you know in the crossbreeding and the the plants are getting stronger and stronger and is there any validity to that I would love to hear about it but I I doubt it that's one things that's one of those things I doubt I have to find a good guest on the subject. Stostube says, great Monday, Frank. Excellent guest tonight to start off another great week of the Quite Frankly, of the Quite Frankly. Thank you, my good man. We appreciate you and the family. We appreciate you, Christos. Send my best to Sarah and the kids. The Sentinel from Theta says, great show, Frank. Brown University is 40% gay. That's up 200% in 12 years. Mind virus. Yes. Yes. That's the only way that you can do this. Only way. Oh, uh, speaking of Theta, I want to address everybody on Twitch. This week is going to be the last week that we are doing the 7 o'clock show on Twitch, I believe. Um, Only because I want to preserve. We are getting hit up by DCMA, uh, DMCA um, notices for everything from the intermission to the intro video every time that we publish a we end the broadcast they unpublish the video so it's all it's really just a live experience and i figured with the the subscribership we have over there i should keep that and not have it get blown up for no reason and we can do like gaming nights with me and the guys like we were doing in the fall but now i'm going to have a proper place to do it this year gaming nights with me and the guys 
when it gets cold outside and stuff like that, late night on the weekends or something. And then there's also live music. I can still do things on Twitch, but I feel like if we just keep going on like this with the 7 o'clock show there, the whole thing is going to go away, and it's just going to be a memory, and that's it. So, again, I'm thinking about self-preservation, and the people on Twitch, I know that you're very, very proud Purple People Eaters over there. I know you're very proud of your Twitch status. I know that Albert is probably screaming into a pillow right now. And I'm sorry. Um, there, But I'm thinking maybe you can go to quitefrankly.tv. You can go to DLive. I mean, that would be that would be great. So I just want to let you know, after this week, we are we're gonna repurpose the Twitch for something uh, in order to, to to make it last longer. And I think that all the broadcasts that we do on Twitch anyway afterwards will be a lot more intimate. So, um, just something I've been mulling over, and I think that's what we're gonna do. So just let you know. All right, let's see. Over on Rumble, let us see how people are doing there. Seems like everybody's doing well. Just let you know. So, any Rumble rants? Nothing there. You're more than welcome to send some in. But we have plenty on the gold pilled and on quitefrankly.tv. And then we're going to take some calls. It's 914-200-0269. Thank you, Doug Simmy. Robert Sarn says, congratulations, quite frankly, on surpassing 30K on Rumble. Now to infinity and beyond. Yes, we hit 30,000 subscribers. I would really love to break 100,000 subscribers on YouTube and do something nice. A 100,000 subscriber celebration. Nothing too crazy. Um, but it's just that it's been right there for so long. It's so ridiculous. That uh, if we ever do hit that mark, we've got to do something nice. But it's really good to see that 30,000 number on Rumble because it's, I feel like that's something that's safe. Really is. Jesse, 81138, thank you. Chai Possum says, Frank, do you still have your note to remind you not to curse? To channel instead. Instead, uh, Yeah, but uh, in the beginning of the show, there was just some things that I couldn't. Some nights I try, and some nights I fail. I fail. Uh, C.A. Jusps. Just USPS. I don't know what that is. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Rook Castles. Says Propaganda Hysteria. Sean Joe. Alan Wrench says, once again, a great guest. Thank you. And Pod Hermit. Yeah, well, the one thing I got to talk to Don Jeffries about is his microphone. I feel like he's one of those guys that has his microphone on in front of him. He's talking into it, but he's not actually talking into it. It sounds like the, the, the mic from the webcam. That's the only thing. Every time that Don Jeffries calls in, I make a note to get in touch with him and say, yo, let's troubleshoot this microphone with you because I don't feel like you're actually using it. I think that it's the, the webcam mic. And I know some of you guys probably feel that because you, you, you lose some of the things he's saying, but, you know, you, you make up for it and it all, it all makes sense quickly. But it could be a little bit a little bit um, smoother. All right, let's take some calls. First one up is from Robert. What's going on, Robert? Robert? Okay. Cody, how are you? Okay. Cody's gone. 
Robert? I know some of you guys from your age. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> Frank? Yes. Robert? Frank? Robert. <laughs> I don't have so much to say to you today. How are you, Robert? Gosh. I'm doing well. How are yourself? Oh, I mean, you know better than most. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> However I look is how I am. But uh, but but what is on your mind tonight, my friend? Well, there's a lot of things. But the one thing that was strange, I don't know if you get the uh, email list from uh, Infowars. No. You know, they, it's like every day they give you like five different stories, and you click on them. There's like a five-minute video or something. So a couple of days ago, there was – have you seen this video? It's, it's the song Cocaine by Eric Clapton with little – it's a, basically a meme with little Joe Biden's videos stuck in there and whatnot. So I'm at work, and I'm, I'm watching this video, and I'm holding it there on my phone. I'm going to show it to my friend. All of a sudden, the video is gone. It has switched to a completely different email. And then I went back to look at the email. The whole thing was scrubbed. It was gone. Like, the whole email from InfoWars was gone. So, I looked at my junk. I looked at my trash. It was just gone. Like, they just scrubbed it just like that. Yeah, so you're, ta- like, you're talking Whoa. about possible chicanery coming from your actual email provider. What was it, a Gmail? It, no, it was just my Apple, my Apple phone, my iPhone. Oh, okay. So, so it's just, just mail on, uh, on Apple. But it happened just like that. That's why I was just shocked. Just, like, what yeah, just happened? Hey, you never know. I, I wouldn't put it past past any of them. Um, I wouldn't put it past any of them. You remember what they were saying about disinformation and 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 wanting. This was another thing that uh, there's so many people testing the electric fences over the last couple of years that we we forget that there were certain weeks in our lives where they we were reading stories about how the telephone companies were looking to or they were open to cooperating with uh with any kind of government uh dismiss or malinformation guidelines on on how to censor text messages so that i remember that we were talking about it for maybe about a week or two it was real news for about a week or two and then another one that just oh look you know reading news reading news on the internet it's like blowing and popping bubbles on the front lawn it's just there, and then it's gone, and uh, and then on to the next thing. So, as far as something showing up and uh, and, and and then disappearing on email, it, it could be explainable, and maybe you just you you just don't know what the hell happened, or it who the hell knows? It could be something else. Yeah, I just want to tell everybody: hey, become a subscriber, join the book club. Oh, so much fun we had! Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it, Robert. Yeah. If you've been having a good time, then. Great. Well, you wait until August. I can't wait to do the August one. Yeah, I got. I always fall a little behind, and I catch back up. So I, it's like I got to get the book right now. It's all good. Tell us one again. Once again, the name of the book. What's that? The name of the book. What's the name of the book. The name of the yeah. book is "Devil in the White City" by Eric Larson. Right. Right. Yeah. So go get it, Robert, and have a good night. All right. Thank you, Frank. Love you. All right. Take care. I wish I. I, I wish it was my book that we were reading. Every couple of, a couple of months. All right, my latest book is out. Go buy it from my publisher, and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, but we're getting people to read again, and that is great because we are no longer a country of readers. And as long as this audience is doing it again, I think that we're going to be better than most. Hey, Cody, are you there? Cody? Cody? Hello. Oh, shit. 
All right, somebody just checked off a bingo box. I know that Frank hanging up too soon is one of the bingo boxes I saw. So who got that one over there on Gilded? <laughs> Shit. All right, let me see who I can bring in on the Gilded, actually. Let's try uh, Jerry. Jerry from Scotland. Do you hear me? What happens? What happens? All right, somebody just checked off a bingo box. Oh, I sound, I sound pretty good, but, but turn me off. Boxes I saw. Hey, Frank. Hey, how are you, Jerry? Um, right. Is everything working? Everything working. You sound so much clearer than you ever do on the phone, so I'm liking it already. Go ahead. What's on your mind? I'm on the laptop, and I'm very pleased that I got through. I enjoyed that uh, discussion with um, John Jeffries. Excellent. And, of course, the, the last bit, the John Lennon bit, that's where I r really prick up my ears. So I've got a few thoughts about that. Okay. Um... I've got a few thoughts about the, the John Lennon thing, and I think the most important one is the doorman, the doorman at the Dakota building, whose name happens to be Jose Perdomo. It's not that Jose Perdomo. It's not the same guy. This would be a pig's Jose Perdomo. The doorman at the Dakota had been working there since 1969. Yeah? Yeah, okay, I'm listening. Right, so it's just a different person. It just so happens that he's called, uh, you know, it just so happens that he's called uh, Joseph Perdomo in the same way that Senator John Kennedy is not the 35th President of the United States. He just happens to be called John Kennedy. So uh, that's a red herring, that, that line of questioning. But what's interesting about the doorman is that his police statement has never been released. All the other so-called so witnesses gave their statements and they're available, but not the statement that was made by Jose Perdomo. And of course, both Jose Perdomos are now dead. So there's definitely a lot more to this story. I've always felt, <clears throat> I've always felt that the John assassination, while it was a huge uh, psyop in itself, I believe that it was a dry run uh, a prep for the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. Ah. Right? Because John Lennon, in America, the, the date was 8th of, of December. It was the 9th over here, but it was the 8th of December. And when was Reagan uh, shot? It was sometime in March. I've forgotten the actual date. Well, you know, you know, Jerry, just like you had, um, just like uh, Don had said when we were getting to that part of the conversation, uh, there, there seemed to be some sort of a, there, at least a, I don't know, a tangential link between the uh, the Reagan thing. I, I never heard about um, Lenin being in any way, shape, or form seduced by, or not said, or interested by Ronald Reagan and what he was talking about. It's the first time I ever heard it tonight. But he did say there, there was that uh, that at least loose link, or or pretty profound link actually between Hinckley and um, and Chapman. Well, the Hinckley assassination, the, the Hinckley connection, I think, is is, is extraordinary. It's pretty yeah, profound. Uh, eh? Yeah, it's pretty profound. Right, because the, the, the supposed... Um, right, first of all, on the evening that uh, Regan was shot, I think it was late March, 1981, I think it was March the 30th, 1981, uh, and so what would that be? One... It'd only be two, two months in a week, President. 
He'd only been president for less than 10 weeks and he was going to get taken out and clear the way for Bush. Now, Bush's campaign manager uh, in his presidential presidential nomination campaign was John Hinckley Sr. And John Hinckley Jr. was the guy who was put away for supposedly att attempting to assassinate the President of the United States. And uh, we, oh, that's a program in itself, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and let, me, let me tell you something, Jerry. I have a... Where, where is the guest, actually? Hold on a second. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, I have a guest coming on in... Where the hell is it? Wait, don't say a day. Oh, here it is. Okay, on August 9th, my I got a I got a guy coming on. His name is Mike Williams, and he works on a YouTube channel called Sage of Quay, and um, and he does a lot of Beatles. He does uh, he talks Beatles conspiracy and all that. And we're going to be doing Beatles conspiracy on August 9th. His name is Mike Williams. So make sure you're around for that one. All right. Well, I'm always here, but I'll definitely be around for that one. Now, going back to the, the Lenin hit, Mark David Chapman, we heard that he was a kind of a born-again Christian at some point, and he, he was ev uh, evangelizing in the Middle East. He was sent to the Lebanon and so on and so forth. He was doing this through uh, an institution, an organization, a supposed Christian charity called World Vision. And on the board of World Vision was John Hinckley Sr., Every now and again, Mark David Chapman would have some kind of psychological breakdown and he would be taken away into an institution for <clears throat> treatment. And we say MK Ultra at this point. Well, it sounds, I've always felt that his programming would break down from time to time and he would get hooked back in. And I'm, I've always felt that the, the spooks, the nasty spooks, are always identifying these vulnerable young children who don't have an anchor and they present them with a some kind of father figure mm -hmm. or some kind of you know and then they become more and more dependent on them and and so it goes on there's so many stinky things about like the david chapman all that we really know is that he apparently confessed to doing it that doesn't mean he pulled the trigger it you know in, in terms of hypnosis you could trigger somebody if you've really got them deeply under you could trigger somebody just to 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 reply. I am holding Caulfield. I shot John Lennon. I oh, there's got to be something. And, and Jerry, you know, to to your point, it's got to be something. Uh, if, even when we go back to um, uh, Don Jeffries, uh, you know, really focusing on it. And thank you for the call. I, I just because we're coming up on the end, I can't wait to continue this uh, in a couple of weeks, especially when we can do a whole night on these types of conspiracies. But um, there is, there's got to be. There must be some sort of a overriding mental psychological element that gets a person to engage in an assassination and instead of just fleeing into the night, sitting down and reading a very specific book. I mean, that is just, there's there's something else that you can say, well, of course, he's a deranged man. He just killed somebody. But, you know, uh, we know the late 60s, all throughout the, the 70s, there was just something in the air and something being worked on and... Uh, and, uh, and how much how much of it all goes together? I don't know. But Jerry, thank you, thank you so much. Frank, if I could what? just say one more thing, real quick. That guy, that guy Chapman is a victim as well. If if, if what I'm saying is is true, 
This is somebody whose life didn't matter to people who were too cruel to care about him. They, and that, and him that, would apl- that would apply to Sirhan Sirhan as well. And that, that's what R, that's what RFK Jr.'s be. I mean, it's incredible to hear a guy uh, like RFK Jr. Say, even saying himself he should not be in jail. This is a guy. This is a guy who the official story is he shot and killed Bobby Kennedy, and um, and here he is. Yeah, God bless you. You're doing great work. Thank you, Jerry. It's always great to hear from you, and it's great to hear you coming in so HD and clear. I've got the house to myself, so I can use the laptop without having to creep out into the street and use the phone. Well, I I know that I know I know that the gilded has something to do with it. The, the phone, uh, it's just there's so much more uh, there's so much more interference with that. But thank you so much, Jerry. Um, yes. I pledge. What? Who just said? Who said what? I dropped. He he got dropped out. All right. Um, what else did I have here? I had a few other things. No, we'll do those tomorrow. We'll do all these tomorrow. I saw some, and I, and I, of course, I see some some people on Twitter melting down. I saw somebody say, uh, "This is a betrayal. I'm done." Do you understand, guys? I, these are hard decisions, and I'm only trying to think of ways to get the the, twi- the 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 Twitch to last. It's actually more sensitive over there than YouTube. I don't. I our survival this this long is really. Uh, I don't know. It's it's puzzling, but you know if we if we go business as usual, eventually, it's just going to be lights out one night, and then everybody's sad anyway. And here I am trying to think about that day and thinking about a way that we can all just make decisions and migrate and actually keep that aside for special things so it doesn't go away. I don't know. A betrayal. Gosh, man, oh man. Things I gotta. I don't know. I'm not trying to betray anybody. I'm I'm just trying to think about the future, and I want to keep everybody together because you know it's just all of a sudden the lights go out, you lose t- touch with people, and then it's just they they think you just retired because it happens that way. So I'm just trying to open up the you know get get word out there and open up dialogue and whatever. I don't know. We'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Maybe we just go down with the ship, and if I ever want to go live on the drums or something, I'll just go live on. Something else. I don't know. All right. Um, let's see. That's it for tonight. That's all I got for you. It's, uh, it's oh, wait, there's a couple of rumble rants that came in. Tennessee Jed 78 says, great show as always, Frank. Jed, I really appreciate that. Fred Awakening says, I used to smoke weed habitually and don't think for a second it causes schizophrenia. And to add to that, I don't think so either. <laughs> Roses are red, violets are blue, I'm a schizophrenic, and so am I. I'm going to get an angry email now. I'm going to get an angry email back to that one. Cody117 says, John Lennon was a musical genius and Yoko destroyed him in the Beatles. John and George were the best. Yeah, I, I, uh, I really like George a lot. You know, even Frank Sinatra said that uh, Something was one of the greatest love songs ever written. And while my guitar gently wimp, silently whimpers. <laughs> oh, man, we could do all those. We'll do all those one night. We'll do it on the, uh, I'll, I'll jam out to them. All right, guys. It's been wonderful. Uh, Death Bitch says, I wonder if Frank is related to Vinny 
Kolosua? No, I don't even know who that is, but no, I am not. I'm not related to any Vinnies who spell their name with an IE at the end. But you guys are so wonderful, and I can't wait to see you all again tomorrow. Thank you, Pod Hermit. Squickly says, always can count on you for a good old genuine belly laugh. That's why I love you, Frank. Cheers, brother. I don't know what I said, but I'm glad I said it. Thank you, Squickly. And I will see you tomorrow. Now, as for tonight, after this show concludes on QuiteFrankly.tv, it is a, uh, we have a feature going on. Not two of the greatest prison movies ever, but arguably two of the absolute greatest movies of all time. We will begin our evening directly after the show on QuiteFrankly.tv with the unforgettable film that needs no further introduction. And with that, I'm not going to introduce it. You just uh, hang out and and uh, kick off the rest of the week. I'll see you on QuiteFrankly.tv. And tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we will resume our week, as we always do. That's it. Bye-bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Frankly, is film of our live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Cody one one seven and Fred Awakening and Linda Love says, "I want a Casey postcard." Well, you, what? Why'd you put it there then? You, uh, message me, Linda. That's for on PayPal, so we can collect addresses. All right. Well. There was that. Thank you to Sentinel from Theta, Stostube, Silky Johnson, Hello Kitty, and Katie Sky. That's it. Good night. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. They sent me to a psychiatrist all morning. I took like a million tests. A psychiatrist? Yeah, you know, because I got suspended and everything. They sent you to a psychiatrist? Yeah. But that's crazy. That's all nonsense. That's nothing but a, a racket for the Jews.